are times in Israel's life when God hid himself from them because of their hardness of their hearts. But grace abounds to us. He still sent his son to die on the cross so we have eternal life. When we were, it's been about a hundred years ago when I was a kid, we used to sing this, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears. Oh, be careful, little mouth. Oh, be careful, little hands. And, I mean, and careful, little feet. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. Uh, there's since that time, as I've gotten older, and because of the passage here that we're going to look at, and I'll tell you where that's at in a minute, I would add a, a, a sixth verse. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mind, don't let it stink. <laughs> it goes along with the passage in Amos. I would like you to turn there, Amos. Now, as soon as I say a minor prophet, you break out in a sweat because you know the person next to you will turn right to it and you will still be thumbing through it uh, by the close of the service. They open in the center of your Bible, there's Ezekiel and then there's Daniel and then there's Hosea and then there's Joel and then there's Amos. So, so you just kind of start in the center and head towards the New Testament and if you're and I know since there are only a few pages, you can miss it, but if you see Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, if you're using a pew Bible, it's seven, page 796, so you'll have it easier if you're using a pew Bible, seven, nine, page 796. God does know our thoughts, and he sees our thoughts this morning. And as a child, that used to really concern me, but he knows what children do, and he knows what adults do. Uh, it's been maybe three or four weeks ago, I read a devotional by Marshall Siegel. He's a, he's a good author. And he, the title of it caught my attention, Looking at Sunday from Heaven. Looking at Sunday from heaven, what does God see when he looks at us? The First Baptist Church family and friends gathered together, what does he see this morning? I hope he doesn't see it as he looked at Israel in Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. I'm going to read this chapter, although we'll not be covering all of the verses, uh, we will be covering some of them, and if you've noticed in the bulletin, the message is called, A Basket of Ripe Fruit, and it comes from a, and, and in my scripture it says, Summer Fruit. Uh, spring fruit is different than summer fruit, and we'll See that in a minute. And your copy of the scriptures might have spoiled fruit there. Amos 8. Just follow along as I read these verses. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, 
What seest thou? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, The end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy. Even to them make, make the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone, that we may sell corn? And the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. Yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat, or the waste of the wheat. And the Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall not the land tremble for this, and every one mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day, and I will turn your feasts into mornings, a morning, and all your songs into lamentation, and I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only son, the morning of an only son, and the end thereof is a bitter day. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. They that swear by the sin of Samaria and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up again. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage, help us to understand what you intended the Israelites to hear and be able to apply it to our lives here at First Baptist. So, Lord, I'm asking that, that it might give us some clear thoughts for this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage... What does God see this morning? Does he see us as summer fruit? What is summer fruit? Well, uh, I've got a basket of summer fruit. And, and if for those of you that eyesight's not good enough, I'll kind of explain what it is I'm holding here. I see a few of you rubbing your eyes. This is a banana. And this banana is black, if you can't see this black banana. And if you went to peel this banana, and uh, you went to peel it, what it does, it just squishes in your hand. And, and uh, if you can't see them, there are what's called fruit flies flying around my head right here. And here is an orange, and this orange, uh, if, if you can't see it, it's, if you tap it on wood, it goes, because it is hard. And if you tried to peel it, and you managed to peel it, the uh, insides are just dried up, and they're tough, and the flavor is gone, and the apple is, uh, you have to be really careful with it because your fingers will punch right through. That's what ripe fruit or summer fruit looks like. It is not pleasant. It is at the end of its life. 
And what uh, God sees when he looks at Israel is summer fruit or overripe fruit or rotten fruit. This passage, some of you might have recognized, well, that sounds almost like the tribulation time. Yeah, that, that's a picture of it. But it happened even in Israel's day in the past where uh, they ran into these things because they turned their back, uh, backs on God. So uh, this is ripe or overripe fruit. When sometimes when we, we finish a run, uh, the kids will, that we run with will kid me and say, uh, Dave, you, you're kind of ripe this morning, you know. Uh, that's what it means. It's not a compliment. Uh, I've, I've learned that. Uh, it's not a compliment. But that's what uh, this ripe fruit or summer fruit is talking about here. Israel was that way. I don't want us to be that way. How did Israel become ripe fruit? See, a, a little background of this passage is it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. And I won't go through the book, but it was for Israel. It was the best of times because Uzziah is king, and he's on the throne, and he's a good king. He makes some mistakes, especially right towards the end, uh, when he tries to offer sacrifices, and he is struck down with leprosy and dies with leprosy. But uh, he was on the throne, and so there was peace in Israel, and they were protected, and so the, uh, they were strong enough that enemies weren't attacking all the time. It was a great time. Israel was pros uh, prospering, and that was part of the problem. Israel was, they were the center of commerce, uh, commerce there. And so uh, it, it was the best of times, but it was the worst of times, as we see from this passage. How did Israel become overripe fruit? Three ways that I see here. In their prosperity, the first way is that they disregarded the needs of others. Verse 4. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. They're taking advantage of the needs of others. Uh, here at First Baptist, I, I want to emphasize the fact that we are a hospital, and we do have sick people physically and sick people emotionally and uh, just uh, sick people, and by that I mean needy people, broken people. We are a broken people. And if we forget that, then we will fail to uh, recognize the needs of others. We can't do that. We can't afford to do that. We have been given a commission. You know, uh, the great commandment we Learned about that a little bit in our Sunday school lesson. The great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind. And to love our, and second is like unto it, love our neighbors as ourselves. That is, a, this world is not, this life is not about me. And it's not about you. It's about bringing glory to God. And we bring glory to God by recognizing the needs of others and sharing Jesus with others. Their greatest need is a relationship with a holy God. 
And there's only one way you can have a relationship with a holy God because we are sinful men. The only way is to swap our sinfulness for God's, uh, for Jesus Christ's righteousness. And that's what he did on the cross. He said, I'm making this swap. And I will die for your sin. You give me your sin and I will give you my righteousness so you can have eternal life with a holy God. Not only that, you become a son of God, a joint heir with Jesus to glory in heaven. Wow, we get a, it's a great deal, but many people are saying, I don't want it, or I'm going to work hard for it. <laughs> You're not going to make it. It's only through Jesus Christ. And so, uh, disregarding the needs of others, the, the broken or the poor, uh, it, it, he uses those two words here. But they, they work together. Because uh, you, when we had kids still at the home, hey, Dad, could I have some money or something? They very seldom asked for money. I guess they knew we didn't have any or we wouldn't give it to them. But, uh, I, you know, you pull out your pockets and you say, well, I'm broke. I'm broke. Where did they ever get that? I'm broke. Well, here, there are broken people. There are needy people. They are poor here. Do we recognize those around us? We, and I especially mentioned it last week, we're a, a generous church family, and, and I thank you for that. Very generous. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says, Test me and see that your generosity breeds my generosity. You pour out and I will pour in to you and see if I don't outgive you. And I've found that to be true in my life and, and many of you have as well. And so uh, what it's talking about those that kept their prosperity and even used their prosperity to take advantage of others and their wealth is becoming rotten. You know, uh, do you have a, an overripe 20 in your, in your wallet? Well, I do. This is an overripe 20. And, you know, to keep it, if I keep this another day, it's going to stink. Overripe fruit does that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop this. It's getting close to expiration date. I'm going to drop it in there. And I don't, it, that doesn't bother me to give away a ripe 20 because I'm going to get a fresh 20 from the Lord some, someplace, sometime. Well, and it might not come in the form of money. It might come in, in the sunshine and blessing and then the grandkids coming over and, and it's, it's all worth it. But God says, you know, you, you, you cling to it, it rots. And you see the needs of others. I don't know how many times that I've walked down the hall and uh, somebody has said, you know, I, I have a need this week. And so we pray and, and I'll open my wallet and I'll give them money. And before I get to the end of the hall, somebody's come and they put their hand in my coat pocket and they walk away. You know, what are, they, what are you doing? And so I, I, I reach in my coat pocket and I, I say, you won't believe this. I got two 20s. Now, this was, <laughs> this was given to me this morning. Now, it has a particular purpose, and uh, I don't see 
John and Alyssa, I think they're down in, in uh, Minneapolis, or, or uh, the Blakes, Scott, or uh, Bobby. But this is for them. But it just, people put their hands in my pockets. And they leave stuff there. Uh, because they see the needs of others. See, this money is to go to gas money to take the, the, the team that goes up to the abortion clinic in Fargo to, to uh, witness there and to help save babies. Uh, it's to pay for gas. Uh, people do that. Seeing the needs of others. There are needs out there. Uh, are you a generous person with money? Are you a generous person with relationships? Do you have time to meet somebody in the hall and pray with them? To uh, maybe go there and take them. Pastor Wayne takes people Kentucky Fried Chicken all the time. He stops in and visits with them and he takes Kentucky Fried Chicken. Who likes Kentucky Fried Chicken? Wayne, we're signing them up, right? Okay, <laughs> you saw these hands. So uh, you, they, we, we all like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, just sharing relationships. We ought to be fresh. People should walk away saying, well, that was like a breath of fresh air to visit with that person. Rather than overripe. And, and when you leave, and maybe that's, a, maybe that's a little instruction on how long to stay. <laughs> Don't stay till you're overripe. You know, just be fresh and pray and, and encourage them and share that. We need to be relevant. Are we relevant? Disregarding the needs of others. That's the point we're on if you're taking notes. Uh, are we relevant to them? Are we meeting a need that they really have? I, we heard the story of Van Gogh, if you've ever heard of him. That Van Gogh wanted to be a preacher. And so he studied and studied, but he had a hard time uh, with his education. And, and he, he couldn't study, he, he failed his classes so that he could become a preacher. And so he took this crash course so that he could be a missionary, and he failed that. And so they wouldn't let him go to the mission field. And so he withdrew and began uh, just to... Uh, he, he was embarrassed, and he was hurt. He couldn't do what he wanted to do, and he began to focus on his painting and, uh, and some other things. But he painted this picture, and this picture is a picture of a, an old church, and it has a steeple, and there are two paths. The paths separate, and they go around this church building, and on this one side of the church path is an old lady walking along and carrying a basket, I think, that she was carrying and going around one side of the church. But in that church, there's no door. The windows are dark. And so apparently the path joins on the other side of the, of the church building and you go on your way. Why? Because the church isn't relevant. It's not that there's no doors, there's no way you can get in. And maybe the people, if there are people in there, though the windows are dark, maybe they don't want to get out because they're afraid to approach the, uh, the culture of the day and share Jesus Christ with them. And that is what they need. And, and we're given a responsibility. Jesus said, get out of the church and go to your neighbors and share Jesus Christ with them because if you don't, they are going to go to hell. 
And if you're not, if you're not concerned then you're disregarding the needs of others because the needs of our neighbors, uh, the need is to know Jesus Christ personally. Are we doing that? I think the second way Israel became ripe fruit, seen in verse 5, saying, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit. Cheating others. Are we cheating others? I'm going to skip to the, or taking advantage of those that are hurting. Here they were, uh, they, could, they could buy a servant for a, a few shekels or a pair of shoes. Buy the poor, verse 6, buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, taking advantage of them, cheating them, not reading their, meeting their real needs. Uh, but the one I want to focus on just for a few minutes here is seen in verse 5. When will the new moon be gone? When will the Sabbath be over? Uh, I think the third reason they were... Uh, turned into ripe fruit, is they dreaded Sunday mornings. Now, they worshiped on the Sabbath. They would be Saturdays. But for us, it would be dreading Sunday mornings. Uh, when will the Sabbath end? When will the new moon? A new moon. Every month, they had a picnic to recognize what God had done. They offered sacrifices uh, for, for their sin, and then they would have a gathering and they would have their picnic the, once a month, and then the Sabbath once a week. When is it going to be over? Now, why would they dread Sundays? Um, they didn't see Sunday as important. It wasn't meeting their greatest desire. And so, uh, a confession time. Oh, okay, I'll confess two things. The first one is that sometimes I drive out that uh, entrance only out there. <laughs> That's first confession. I feel a lot better now about letting you know that. Not that it's going to change, but when there are no cars around during the week, uh, some, and I'm parked right next to that, and I back up, it's a whole lot easier just to go out that in in deal on the far side of the parking lot. Okay, now the second confession here is that for a little different reason than this passage, I might get to the end of the day Sunday, and I might say, sometimes out loud, but mostly, whew, I made it through another Sunday. Now, it shouldn't be that way, but sometimes I do. I, I love Sundays. I love, I love meeting people in the parking lot. I love the hugs, the smiles, the handshakes, the, uh, uh, the waves. Uh, I love that. I love uh, Sunday school, and we, in our class, we're listening to David Jeremiah. I love his messages. I, I love to to gather. I love to pray in the hall with people. I love to maybe every now and then be able to open my wallet and help uh, out that way. 
or I, I love bringing stuff in for Sundays, uh, bread that's in the fellowship hall, and, and people that are new here go in there and, and uh, take whatever you can use, or you can give to neighbors, or you can give, uh, just try to take as much as you can after the service this morning, uh, or it does become over summer fruit. It does become summer fruit if it's left in there. So I, I love all of these things. I, I love preaching, uh, although it, it, it's probably more stressful than it ought to be for me. But I, I love that. Uh, but many times, I began preaching in 1975, became pastor then uh, as an assistant. But since that time, there are lots of days when I go home from Sunday say, uh, Sunday night, and say, whew, made it through another Sunday. But it should not be that. It, it, it can become a, an interruption to my week. Although for me it is different than you, but I'm afraid for some of you, it might just be an interruption. It's like that red light that shows up when you've got to be someplace and the right light turns red and you sit there at the uh, stoplight and you kind of thump on the, the steering wheel waiting for it to be over. Uh, when What he is saying here in Amos is that when is the new moon going to be gone that we may sell corn? And the Sabbath, when's it going to be over so we can set forth week? Uh, what was he saying? The, the best time of Sunday was the let's pray at the end. That was the best time. Whew. Made it through another service. Yay. And uh, it should not be that way. Why did it get to be that way? is because they were worshiping something other than God. This is just a warning for us. If we find that we cannot wait, partly it might be because of my scattered thoughts, but partly it might be because your hearts are just not in worshiping God or not in listening or hearing what God's word has to say. Uh, what were they worshiping? They were counting their money in their minds. They were counting their money, and they wanted to get on with life. They wanted to get on with making money. And so the, the new moon and the Sabbath were just interruptions to what they really loved. And they really loved selling corn. And they really loved selling wheat. And they really loved cheating people. They made the shekel great, and they made the ephah, the amount, small. So we're going to char overcharging people, and they would have different weights. Uh, they would have weights that were, uh, were either heavier or lighter, whatever would give them the best deal there. So uh, they, they were looking past worship. Now they never missed, according to here, they never missed the new moon. They never missed the Sabbath. They had perfect attendance, and their perfect attendance pins. If any of you remember this, when I was a kid, we got perfect attendance. Every year we made it without missing Sunday school, we got a perfect attendance pin. Well, Israel's perfect attendance pins were down to the ground because they never missed, but they never engaged. They were too busy thinking of what made them happy. 
And that's the danger of America today is that we have become so prosperous, we are we're making money. And so we're counting. We're, we can sit in church and we can go over the stock market. And we can cry when it goes down or we can rejoice when it goes up. Uh, but we don't engage in our worship to God, in our relationship to Him. Uh, so what is your God? It doesn't have to be money. Israel just happened to be corn and wheat or really money. Uh, what is your attitude about Sunday? Uh, I'm going to mention three things. We'll go through this quickly. There's a beautiful command given here, and maybe we'll just end with this. Uh, the beautiful command is they are commanded to celebrate the new moon. They are commanded to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. These are commands, but it's a beautiful command. Uh, every now and then, the deacons would give me a certificate. And they would say, Pastor, you and Cindy have to go up to Bluefin Bay for two or three nights, whatever was written on the certificate. And you are given this amount to spend while you're up there to eat. And, Pastor, we, you just need to get away. Go up there. It's a command. Now, when we're commanded, how are we supposed to respond? No way, Jose. You can't tell me what to do. No. See, this is, this is a beautiful command. It isn't, it isn't an ugly command because it is for our good and for our enjoyment. And so that's, what, that's the command that the deacons gave us. Oh, it wasn't three years ago. They gave us money for airlines tickets, and they said, well, actually, you guys did as a church family, but they said, you guys need to go to Spain to see Seth and Crystal and Tanzan in their ministry over there. You need to go there. Do you think that was an ugly command? <laughs> no. It's a beautiful command. You know what? All of God's commands are beautiful. If he tells us, if he gives us a command... Uh, it is because we will receive the most benefit and the most enjoyment from it. You know, the commands in regards to marriage, uh, husband, and, uh, husband and wife, uh, one man and one woman, and, uh, and uh, purity in the relationship. Why does God make commands like that so that we don't get to enjoy ourselves? Never. He's just saying, this is the way that works best. And this is when you're going to find fulfillment and enjoyment. And people try all of these other things, and then they OD on drugs because it isn't enjoyable. It isn't pleasurable. If we follow God's commands, then we will find, <clears throat> we will realize that the way of God's commands is good and best. But the way of the transgressor is hard. You turn your back on God's commands and it becomes uh, difficult. The way of the prodigal is hard. 
when, when Jesus told Peter, hey, I'm going to turn you over to Satan and let him sift you for a while so that when you come back, you can be a leader of men, of the apostles. Uh, being sifted by Satan is not easy. It is not pleasurable. It, it, it's not the, uh, it, it might be the wildlife, but the wildlife will destroy you. And so this is a beautiful command. This is a command that we have to gather on Sunday. Well, or one day a week. If we wanted to worship on Saturday, that would be fine. But we worship on Sunday, and it is commanded, but it's not an ugly command. None of God's commands are ugly. They're all beautiful. Um, God helps us enjoy his commands. Uh, put aside your, your thoughts of making money, your thoughts of your family picnic you have right after this, and just concentrate on the glory of God just for a minute. Why? Think of what God has done for us. I mean... He's done so much for us. I, I've asked B just to sing a song. And B had to memorize this so that uh, she would be able to sing, being blind. And she's going to stand here and remind us what Jesus has done for us. I left my home I came so far from where I was to where you are the bitter tears the lonely years the many ways a heart can break and you were at the center of it all to save you from the prison of the fall. There was no hill too steep for me to climb, no road too long and hard to make you mine. I gave all I had to give and it was worth the cost to say I love you from an old rugged cross. I took your guilt, I bore your shame, and I would do it all again if my open arms reached out in grace to pull you in to love's embrace it's been spoken in a thousand different ways yet the cross said more than words could ever say. There was no hill too steep.
I loved you then, and child, I loved you still. There was no hill too steep for me to climb, no road too long and hard to make you mine. I gave all I had to give, and it was worth the cost. It was worth it all to say I love you. I love you from an Rugged cross. So we focus on Christ because of what he's done for us. If you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, then you will find it hard to understand. But if you have given it, we need to be relevant in this world. We need to be doors, so we need to be going out the doors. We need to be the light and the salt. And if we're not, and maybe we have lost our love for Jesus and what he did on the old rugged cross. Let's pray. Father, I know that you've heard me say, whoo, I made it through another Sunday. Forgive me. Lord, uh, you are worth it. Because of what you've done for me, I have eternal life. And I'm a child of God. Thank you. I pray that if there's one here, that the Holy Spirit might continue to work on their heart so that before they leave this morning, they might catch me or catch someone and say, I want my sins forgiven. I want uh, the love of Jesus to be in a part of my life. Lord, I pray they'll not leave here without a personal relationship with you, please. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.